House Bill 2789, Senator Belt. And Senator, before you begin, let me look at your witness slips. You have 132 proponents, 16,418 opponents, 73 no position. <laughs> Senator, go ahead and explain your bill. <laughs> oh, we have, the, we have an amendment. Senator Cunningham moves to adopt Senate Committee Amendment 1 to House Bill 2789. Is there leave to adopt the amendment? Leave being granted. Senator, go ahead and present your bill. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, House Bill 2789, uh, provide, as amended, provides that the State Board of Education must adopt rules to address schools and education license holders who do not comply with public health requirements established by the Department of Public Health when the governor has declared an emergency. Additionally, the bill provides a complaint procedure to report schools that do not comply with the requirements when the governor has declared an emergency. Lastly, the bill states that for non-public school recognition, they must provide assurance that they will comply with these health requirements when the governor has declared an emergency. Madam Chair, this bill uh, looks, it, it, it's triggered uh, whenever the governor has declared a, a state of emergency. Once a state of emergency has been declared, um, the IDPH sets the parameters and the metrics uh, for school districts. Uh, during during the time of the emergency, no no different, and and those uh, parameters will be consistent with the CDC. No different than what we do right now. Uh, what the amendment did, it's also brought in uh, a, a complaint uh, procedure. So, say for instance, uh, in this pandemic, uh, if you go to school X Y Z and you see two or three faculty members not, in the case of COVID, not wearing um, a mask. It says then that you could, you could follow these steps to file a complaint to your local health department. Your local health department then will come down to look at the situation and see if the situation can be remedied, uh, whatever that may be. And whether it's uh, uh, closing of a classroom, whether it's just putting back on your mask and, and, and remedy the, that whole situation. Uh, finally, it, it, it authorizes ISBE to be able to uh, enforce the rules up to the point of non-recognition for those schools who don't comply with the parameters set by the IDPH. Uh, we're, we're in a pandemic, we're in a state of emergency right now, and most of these rules, are, uh, if not all, are being uh, followed now by the IDPH. They set the parameters as we speak. And so this is what we are, uh, this is what the legislation is in front of you. It's about safety, it's about uh, keeping parents safe, uh, safe, it's about keeping faculty safe, it's about keeping kids safe. Uh, during those times of uh, when the governor files an emergency, emergency declaration. And let's hope 
in my lifetime, this has been the only one that I've lived through. And let's hope we don't have to live through another one. This is not for routine operation. This is only when the governor files a, a, dec a declaration of emergency. Thank you, Senator. I see Sean Denny from IEA is on. Sean, do you want to give some testimony? Sure. Um, thank you, Madam Chairperson. Thank you, members of the committee. I appreciate the time. Um, this bill was in this committee previously. Uh, we discussed the reasons, and Senator Belt just touched on some of the reasons why we feel like uh, this needs to be in place. Uh, the, the bottom line is, is that uh, if, God forbid, um, the, uh, there, we have a spike or something uh, goes wrong in September, the idea that we would have uh, had a session and not addressed parameters to be put in place, I think would be a, a bad move on all of our parts. So uh, we want to make sure uh, that there is something in place so that there is some consistency across the board on how we're going to be addressing uh, this pandemic and pandemics in the future. Some of the issues that I've uh, that have been brought to my attention uh, have to deal with um, the uh, non-public schools being very concerned uh, that they're not going to be able to open with this piece of legislation in place. Uh, that is just it, it, that's just not true. Um, the right now. The way that this is set up is that there is a complaint needs to come. The complaint would need to come uh, essentially from someone who has some sort of skin in the game to want the school to remain open, a parent, an administrator. Uh, this is, can't be someone just walking by and putting in any sort of credible complaint. That's not how it's going to work. There aren't going to be roving bands of Illinois State Board of Education staff people or regional office of educators coming out and doing spot inspections and closing down schools. The purpose of this bill is to make sure that schools remain open, that they don't close down. Um, this is a, a classic uh, Illinois General Assembly uh, negotiated bill in that no one is happy with this. There are, there, there, there are parts of this bill uh, that I don't think go far enough. Um, and I know that there are other people who worked on this bill um, who still feel like there aren't enough guardrails in place. Um, but the bottom line is, is that in order for certain things to get put into place, there needs to be a complaint filed. The complaint needs to be received. The complaint then needs to be investigated. Depending on what happens, there could be an appeal process. And during all that time, a school district has the opportunity to get into compliance. So I would put forward the argument that after all of those things get put forward, if you still can't get under compliance, there's probably bigger issues going on in your school building in your school district um, than people not being able to wear masks. Um, finally, there is something in the legislation that deals with the sanctioning of um, <clears throat> teachers who aren't going along with the protocols as well. Um, that is because this is a bill that is supposed to be holding everyone accountable Everybody is supposed to be following this so that everybody can be safe and schools remain open. Um, the, the, there was an article that was put out yesterday that put out this uh, really silly theory about uh, a coach giving players a mask during a, a sports practice on a hot day somehow being sanctioned. That's just silly. No, there, first of all, there would have to be a complaint that would take that would happen at that moment. Someone would have to take a picture, send it out. There'd have to be an investigation. I'm pretty sure practice would be over by then. Um, and, and I, I, I think that it's really important to continue pointing out that 
this is something where we're trying to get everybody involved. Everybody has skin in the game so that schools can stay open and we all stay safe. So uh, I'm here and available for questions as well. Uh, and uh, I know that there's a lot of things that are gonna come out during uh, how these rules are put into place. Um, and, and so some of those questions are just gonna have to come out. We can certainly talk about legislative intent, um, but for right now, I think that we have a bill that at least puts us in a position uh, to be ready to move forward with everybody getting back to in-person learning in fall, which is what everybody wants to see. So um, with that, I appreciate the time and I'm here for questions. Thank you, Sean. Is there, I see a lot of, you know, there's proponents and opponents and, and there's a lot of opponents. So I'm gonna try to move this along. Is there any other proponents that needs to speak? Madam Chair. Okay. I think uh, Amanda Elliott is on, if I'm not mistaken. Amanda? Hi, yes, I'm on and happy to answer any questions with committee members. Uh, we have worked with the IEA for um, several, several weeks now to come to this language that we believe will help um, implement uh, more forcefully the public health requirements that are currently in place. And our goal is, you know, absolutely not to close schools, public or non-public, but to ensure that the public health requirements are followed to ensure student safety, no matter the learning environment. So I'm happy to take um, any questions. I also want to just state on the record that it is our intention during the rulemaking process to ensure all schools have the ability to uh, correct any kind of non-compliance with public health metrics uh, before we would take any kind of uh, recognition action. Thank you. Um, okay, uh, now we're going to go to the opposition. Bob Gilling. Thank, thank you, Senator Castro, uh, and thank you for the opportunity to bring our uh, our issues to, to bear here. My name is Bob Gilligan. I'm the director of the Catholic Conference of Illinois. I'm here representing the Catholic schools across the state. Um, also in the Zoom is Zach Wickman, my colleague, and we're here to answer any questions after my comments. Um, you know, this bill places us in a somewhat difficult position because I want you to know that we do support public health requirements to operate our schools safely, whether in a pandemic or not. Um, and in this bill, we do support as a condition of being recognized, we will comply with public health requirements adopted by the Department of Public Health. But our main objection to Senate Amendment 1 to House Bill 27 and 89 is that it opens our schools to a lengthy and intrusive investigation and appeals process that will be conducted by the State Regional Office of Education, a state entity that, as far as we know, has no background in public health and is not known to be led by a medical professional, such as a doctor, nurse, epidemiologist, or public health person, and by placing them as an arbiter for public health decisions, it, it makes no sense to us. Specifically to the bill, I want to bring up a couple issues. Number one, um, as far as we know, there is no regional office uh, of education in Chicago. So if a complaint gets filed there, um, it goes to ISBE. And then if there's an appeal, does that go to ISBE as well? Um, our second objection or concern is, as far as we can see, there is no due process built into the complaint procedure. Third objection is how the ROE is going to be staffed. 
Um, we're concerned that investigations will not be completed in a timely manner. Fourth, as the bill is written, we think that the ROE will be mandated to investigate all complaints. So if some passerby sees kids without a mask that's not covering their nose, is that warrant an investigation? We're concerned that this could be used by anyone with an ax to grind against a school, and it could remote it involve in recommendation to remote learning. Um, fifth, uh, can the person who files the complaint appeal or just the non-public school? It's not clear to us. So if a person can file an appeal, that means that someone from the school is taking time away from their current duties to respond to these complaints in there and, and, and the appeal. Sixth, um, there are penalties in here for teachers and administrators. That concerns us. And my seventh observation is a little abstract, but, but I think it's worth mentioning. So no one knows when a governor is going to declare an emergency declaration for a public health crisis like we just experienced. Let's say that's 15 years from now. So the state ROEs are going to have to hire staff, train them to do this complaint and appeals process year in and year out when that need may never happen. Why are we doing this when we have state and local health departments that do this work every single day? So we would recommend to you that we go with what works. The Chicago Department of Public Health issued a report that captured data from the experience of the archdiocesan schools during a period of time during moderate to high outbreaks during the pandemic. It was determined that layered mitigation measures allowed for in-safe learning, safe in-person learning. The report took our experience to recommend that public schools in Chicago return to in-person learning, but we know that didn't happen right away. A key factor to the layered mitigation is frequent and constant contact between school leadership and the school. The school and the parents, the school and the parents, staff and families, but most importantly, between the school leadership and local health departments. That's what worked during this pandemic. Local health departments, they have medical professionals, they have doctors, nurses, professional health people. This is what they do. They have longitudinal data to help make a decision whether a complaint is valid or not, whether mitigation measures are being called for or not. ROEs have none of that. Local health departments are in constant communication with other health departments throughout the state, throughout the country, throughout the world. They know how the latest approaches and how to respond to like this unknown virus that we just went through. ROEs have none of that. So we joined the 16,000 people uh, that have asked you to oppose this bill and, and we do also. Um, so thank you for listening and, and I would be, uh, take any questions and Zach and I can ask, answer any questions or concerns you have. Thank so, you. Thank you, Bob. Um, yeah, thank you, Bob. Thank you. I know Senator Cunningham had a question. Senator, do you wanna ask your question? It yes. wasn't a question. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, go ahead. I, I don't want to interrupt you, Senator Belt, if you had something to add. I, I don't have a pen, and Bob gave a long list of things, and so I would like to try to respond to them uh, while they're fresh on my mind. Uh, in terms of the point that you brought up for ISBE and no, uh, and no, well, no regional education uh, school 
in Chicago, Bob, that, that would be correct, but ISBE serves that purpose. Uh, and a lot of the scenarios you brought out would, could, would be addressed during the rulemaking uh, process with ISBE. Uh, you mentioned something about why do it if it's 15 years, if a, another emergency declaration doesn't happen 15 years, 20 years down the road. It's no, no different than having car insurance. Why, we have it just in case we need it. Uh, you want these things in place just in case we need, need it. God forbid we ever need to use our insurance, any type of insurance, but we have them there uh, in case we need them. Uh, this pandemic caught us all off guard. And if the goal is to return back to school in fall, let's put measures and me uh, metrics in place uh you know and, and I, I and i get your issue you and i spoke we were on the zoom together and, and i assured you that i would not move this bill unless the emergency declaration was put back in place and it is in place i get now the pivot is the difference between the roe and idph doing the investigation i get that i i, I get that's where you're your issue is part of your issue is I again using the example I, I, I stated earlier. I don't have to if if there is a uh, and, and Sean made this uh, in his opening statement made this the remarks in his opening statement, the complaints would have to be triggered by credible uh, people quote unquote using Sean's language with skin in the game, and if a complaint is filed in me, John, John Johnson comes out from the ROE to eyeball what's the, the complaint is. And again, if I if I see in, in, in this specific case of the pandemic, several faculty members not wearing mask or whatever the, the parameters are, if I can eyeball it, I don't have to be a healthcare professional to see what that issue is. Uh, to further that, to further expand on that, I, whatever the complaint is, there will be a follow-up uh, made to the local health department. And at the end of the day, whatever the process is, is to remedy that situation. It's not to punish anyone, it's just to make sure we're all in compliance uh, with the, the guidelines put out by the IDPH uh while we're in a state a declared state of emergency so those are the that's my rebuttal to some of the things that you put for put forth uh those that i remember that you uh that you put forth so thank you thank you senator cunningham you had a question yeah thank you madam chair um this. I'm going to uh, vote in favor of moving this bill out of committee. 
um, because what I'm struggling with is why this legislative approach is necessary. We've seen, we've seen it in JCAR, we've allowed the Department of Public Health to promulgate many rules that allow them to intercede, whether it's in public schools, private schools, or, or, or private businesses. If they believe it is a source of spread uh, in this pandemic or any other pandemic. Uh, JCAR has consistently upheld those rules during a pandemic to intervene and try to eradicate sources of spread of coronavirus or any other communicable disease. So it seems to me if the governor declares a state of emergency, the Illinois Department of Public Health and the local departments of public health can already do many of the things contemplated in this legislation. I bring that up in that I think some of the opposition we've heard to this bill has been a bit overwrought because many of the things they are alarmed by can occur right now, based on my experience and what we've seen in the courts, based on Department of Public Health intervention. Again, the state Department of Public Health and local departments of public health. So I guess that's really what I'm struggling here. Maybe this is a question that um, should be uh, directed to to ISBE, to uh, to, to Sean, to uh, to the Department of Public Health, to to the advocates that you've worked with on, on this. And given that, given the broad latitude the governor has by rule, and that have been that's been upheld by the courts, why we need this legislation to address these these very important matters, there's no doubt about it, but, but what tools does this legislation give for enforcement that, that doesn't already exist? Senator, thank you for your question. Uh, in regards to that question, I'll defer to uh, Sean Denny with IEA to, and, and um, ISB if, if needed to answer. So, Senator Cunningham, uh, thank you. I, 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 it's hard to disagree with, with anything that you said. There are many tools that already exist. Where we were running into issues is that, as, as you know, as, as I'm sure everybody um, on this call knows, this pandemic was politicized. And so there were certain areas of the state where there was no... Uh, there was nothing that compelled certain boards of health, certain school boards, certain regional offices of education to act. So we had issues, and there, and there were not, and I'm going to be perfectly frank with the, you on this as well, there, there weren't lots of them. There were maybe a dozen, but there were enough that it became a concern for our membership um, that they were asking for um, something in place. that allowed there to be consistency across the board where we need to be or the, or the board of health. 
But when we were having these conversations, it was turning into one of those situations where the, the agencies were sort of pointing at each other. And again, there was no agreement. And I don't want to speak for my friends in the School Management Alliance, but I think one of the things that they don't like about this bill is that they were looking for very, very strong parameters put in place again so that there was consistency across the board so they knew exactly what they were supposed to be doing in the instance that this were to, um, to arise again. they feel like this doesn't even go far enough to do that to give them the kinds of guide rail, guardrails and protocols that they need. So this is really to put some uniformity and consistency in place. And as Senator Belt said, I'm sure if uh, Amanda has anything to add to that, um, she can feel free to, to chime in. <clears throat> I'm happy to answer any questions, Senator Cunningham, if you'd like me to address any of your questions, but I think no, Sean. I, I, I think Sean, uh, Sean answered it. Thank you, Sean. Uh, Mr. Denny, uh, in his comments earlier, uh, reference something that I guess I would say I strongly agree with, although I disagree with his conclusion. He said this is, uh, to many people, this is a classic Springfield bill. And I think to the um, numerous opponents that many of us have heard from around the state, they might take that statement a bit further and say it's a classic Springfield response an overreaction to a problem that never existed. Um, what do you say to those many tail end of COVID, hopefully? Uh, many schools around the state worked very hard to put in place procedures. They navigated COVID. Uh, where they needed to, they shut down, and where they could, uh, they remained open for in-person <laughs> learning. I think all of our school districts uh, worked very hard over the last more than a year now, uh, and they look at this legislation as a bit of a knee-jerk, not even a bit, they look at this legislation as a knee-jerk reaction, and that, that could have a result of closing schools. What do you say to all those opponents of this legislation about their concerns? Senator, thank you for your question. Um, to, to, to this legislation, this legislation is not political, and I understand it, it will be made out to be political. This, this uh, legislation is only trying to, this this uh, legislation is only trying to encourage consistency from the northern part of the state to the, the southernmost tip of the state. Um, this legislation is only triggered is only triggered when the governor of our state declares an emergency uh, declaration. Again, as I as I opened, 
This has only happened once in my lifetime. This is this is not the routine operative. This is not the the modus operandi. We, this will only happen in case of an emergency. So we're in emergency right now. We're we, we're in a state of emergency. The goal is to get our kids back in school in the best case in the best uh, environment for them in school, physically in school in the fall. Who knows? And to your point, we're not. We've we've done a, a yeoman's job of navigating this thing up to this point. But who knows what the future may hold? It could be an uptick. It could be a a, a a different strength. Why not have metrics and parameters in place to? to this point but we need all our kids in school in the fall we, we we just do they learn the best in school and why not put a plan together where consistency where you know in the northern part of the state in my in the metro east in in the southern this is it and and inevitably someone could make a make a stand on this and say you know uh, to Sean, Sean's point, I was on the school board. I, I, I was the president of the school district. I get people don't like the fact that it looks like their autonomy is being taken away or, or, or this is a political issue. Trust me, I wouldn't run this. The only way I ran this bill is if an emergency order was put in it, declaration statement was put in it, because then that limits the scope of the day-to-day -day operation. But in times of duress, but in times of uh, disaster, we, the IDPA should step front and center. They should, in which they do already, they should set the parameters. They should set the met metrics. And whether we agree or disagree, they should be followed, particularly in the case of kids in school. And this is all this is trying to do. The, 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 the aim is for the fall. We want everyone back in school, teachers. We want faculty safe. We want kids safe. We want to make sure that there's nothing that they could take home to their loved ones. And all of this says is we're putting in a parameter in place that says, okay, the IDPH will set up the guidance principle, the guiding principles. If there is a complaint mechanism, if, if there's a complaint mechanism put in place, and if it's triggered, then it'll go to the regional office of education. They will look, investigate, and then from there, if need be, to the local um, health department. I just, I, I, I'm really baffled at all of the trepidation and consternation surrounding this bill. It's about safety. We, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know in, 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 in July, late July, early August, there'll be an uptick in this thing god forbid but what if it is shouldn't we be in a position to move and move quick shouldn't there be standard order of procedures that we have codified to say this is what we're going to do and in case someone doesn't follow then this is the procedure that's how what, i see it 
what is uh, the wit the witness attempted to answer this question earlier, but gave uh, generalities. In your words, uh, you're a parent. I'm a parent. What is it you you're, you say you're deals with the what if, what if of the future, but let's deal with what the last year has looked like. What is it in your mind? School districts, I, from even schools within my own districts. Uh, some, some uh, when, you, when you're leaving it up to local school boards to determine um, the, the return policy, some went to a hybrid approach, some never went back to in-person school. Um, and so to your point, that would be an issue for me because I'm only pointing out what's happening in my district. There needs to be some consistency statewide about how do you get kids back in school? What does it look like? What are the parameters? Give me something uh, at the basic level to, to, to work with in terms of uh, things to look at benchmarks so that we can bring kids back to school are are there but what's is there an example do you have a school that's closed that shouldn't be do you think schools uh shouldn't have closed i, I mean I, senator i could cut you off there i i don't know i i this is something as you know we were in the the thick of the pandemic so to speak i wasn't keeping the scorecard but i know in general terms that I have several school districts with my district and none of them did the same thing. And so that in and of itself is the problem. And to, to uh, Mr. Uh, Gilligan's point, they, they've done an outstanding job, but it has, we should be on the same page throughout this process in terms of uh, when an emergency has been declared because to 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 get to that point of de uh, declaration there that means that there's something dastardly that's out there there's we've we've met the the matrix the metrics for whatever it is uh that the governor has called uh for a declaration of emergency and then i in my opinion IDPH, your state health department should take front and center and set up the parameters. I, I still don't, I'm still not hearing, I, I guess what I'm hearing is uh, you believe there should be a uh, statewide solution to how individual school districts react to in this, in our instance today, COVID, 
And I think that is exactly what is concerning many people, right? Mm -hmm. That a real concern here. And as I listen to your, um, reasoning for why this legislation is being proposed, what I hear starts the the complaint process that leads to an investigation. Senator, back to your first point, and I'll answer your second, or, or Sean could, uh, in terms of foundational points uh, that they should be looking to that's set by uh, IDPH in terms of in-person schooling, consistency, foundational points. That's what I'm arguing for, advocating for. In terms of your second question, uh, I'll, I'll defer to Sean to speak to uh, your second point. Well, and, and this may be a good time for Amanda to jump in. Certainly a lot of how this is going to be work is going to work again is going to uh, be promulgated through the rulemaking process. But again, the idea again would be that a complaint would have to be started from someone who would actually have knowledge on whether or not a school was in compliance. So that would be a parent, that would be a school official, that would be a staff member. Um, so this is, there's, this is not, again, a situation where uh, the intent of the bill is that anyone just walking by the street or as was put forward earlier, someone who has an ax to grind against non-public schools would all of a sudden be putting out these um, false uh, complaints and then trying to shut down the school. So. That, that again is a scenario that is not anyone's intent. Um, and I, I just quite frankly, I'm just gonna be blunt, is just, it's not realistic. How, how do they, how do they uh, start and investigate, file a complaint or whatever that first step is? There would be a complaint lodged, I, I believe with the Illinois State Board of Education. Is it a form they fill out or? No. I, again, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if um, all those specific parts are going to be, I mean, it could be a form, it could be a phone call. I, I think we're going to have to figure that does out the when we actually start does the working public, on it. Does the public know who filed the complaint? I'm concerned of, you know, sometimes when there's uh, investigation processes, some people have good intentions, no. some have bad. So the person no. is not the, the okay. No. Um, 
Mr. Gilligan raised a concern as it relates specifically in Chicago, the lack of an ROE means that who uh, performs the investigation? ISBE serves as the ROE for Chicago, so it would be ISBE. And what is the, uh, for everyone, what is the appeal process? Um, again, an appeal process would have to be worked out through the rulemaking uh, process, but I can tell you that through conversations that we had with CPS, one of their concerns was the amount of turnaround time they would need if some of the protocols and procedures changed if all of a sudden uh, there needed to be some different spacing involved, giving them, you know, for the, the size of their district, 24 hours to turn that around would not be reasonable. ISB made a commitment to them to work with uh, them on the rulemaking process to make sure that there's enough time if rules were to change uh, to get into compliance. So uh, I think that the, the time period with which the appeal process comes, the complaint, all of those things need to be worked with the Board of Health as well, needs to be brought in to that conversation um, as to, to determine how long these time periods are gonna be between complaint received, investigation, appeal process, all of that needs to be worked out through the rulemaking process. But again, Senator, I, I will tell you, all of these things can be addressed through legislative intent because again, it is not our intent to be shutting down non-public schools or shutting down any school. That is not the intent of this legislation and we can certainly bring that out uh, during, during debate. Can, can legislative intent or the rulemaking process for that matter, change the fact that ISB is evidently both the trier of the decision maker of an investigation and also the, de uh, the decision maker of an appeal, which flies contrary to any due process system that I'm familiar with. Can that be changed through legislative intent or rules? This is as it relates to Chicago. Um, as the statute is currently written, I don't know how the rulemaking process could alleviate your concern with that, Senator. I, 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 so know, how, do, how does that get alleviated? I don't know if we had considered that there was, um, and, and, and again, this, I don't want to speak for ISBE. I don't think we had considered there being uh, any sort of conflict of interest, uh, interest when it comes to making sure that schools are adhering to Board of Health procedures that are being put in place. Keep in mind, ISBE is merely following the, the, the protocols that are gonna be created by the Board of Health. So I'm not too sure if there's a legitimate conflict of interest there. There's nothing, ISBE gains nothing by a school remaining you know, but, open but for again, a couple of days while they yeah. get PPE. But there is an appeal process for all the other school districts except Chicago, or at least Chicago's appeal process is unique from all the other school districts in that they have to go to the same party who rendered the initial decision. It's as if one might appear before a circuit judge and on appeal have to appear before the same judge. I, That's true. I under I yes I understand okay. I that that's that is okay. as it's written right now that is something that would have to be worked through and, and potentially cleaned up and and senator I'm happy to to work through any of those issues at, at, with the date being where it is I think that would be something that I would ask that we work on after we get the bill actually passed if if we're lucky enough to get it passed.
Yeah, understand. Okay. Well, I, I think there's lots of concerns to, to that approach, as I'm sure you know. Uh, I, I just, I, I guess I want to draw my questions to a, a close here. Uh, Senator, uh, my read of the CDC guidelines are that this legislation would be, would put Illinois in a position to have passed into law legislation that would be contrary to the CDC's guidelines on how to handle uh, COVID in our schools. The CDC guidelines state that decisions should be guided by information on school-specific factors, such as mitigation strategies implemented, local needs, stakeholder input, the number of cases among students, teachers, and staff, and school experience with safely reopening. The notion that the solution here lies in a one-size-fits-all statewide solution clearly is in contrast with the CDC guidelines. Again, I, I think to me this reinforces the fact or the, the concern that I have that this legislation uh, not only is unnecessary, but appears to put students in harm's way by putting Illinois students in contrast with the CDC guidelines. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Thank you, Senator. I know we have, just so you know, we've been on this for about almost an hour and we still have six more bills to go through. So um, I know Senator Murphy had a question. Thank you, Madam Chairman. And in uh, with that comment, I'll do my best to make these kind of short and succinct. Senator Murphy, before you start, um, Senator Berkman, you, you'd like to open the roll? And you you would like to vote? No, sorry. Thank you. All right, Senator Murphy. Thank you. So, Senator, we we haven't had an opportunity to really discuss this thoroughly, so I apologize for that. But in listening to the discussion here, it brings back to mind um, the Restore Illinois Commission meetings that we had all summer long, mm -hmm. and and in those, um, the essence was that the governor. executive orders any cone to affect what was really happening with the pandemic during that and it seems to me that a bill like this uh, is contrary to why we had zones and why we have to make exceptions for um, implementing policy throughout the state not to say that There is nothing more important. There's nothing more important than ensuring kids are safe in their schools. And what the administrators of the schools cried out for was a metrics all summer long is give me some specifics of what needs to be done in order to make it safe. Because the bigger problem is that IDPH does not have the authority to implement statewide policy. They can only make recommendations to other health departments. But each health department in Illinois stands on its own. There is no a central authority. So that's where I think that this bill isn't 
and, and find a fix for this problem. But I think there's just so many loose pieces right now that can't tied together through rules and can't be tied together right now. Through yeah, My apologies. Thank you, Chairman, Madam Chairman. Uh, Senator, thank you for your legislation. I want to take just a quick minute and address one of the issues that um, related to this bill that my office has been inundated with. I'm not mm -hmm. sure I have all of the 11 or 12,000 opposition calls. But we have several hundred that are very concerned about the aspect of this legislation uh, being able to uh, dictate to private schools in the state um, how they are dealing with this particular situation. Um, for private schools in this state that uh, public, excuse me, private schools in this state that receive virtually zero dollars of tax funds in their operation to come under this particular piece of legislation and have dictated to them how they should be dealing with these issues um, is egregious to many of my constituents. Uh, and I'm, uh, I've been asked to address that specific issue. Um, there was recent legislation passed in, in this building that had private school involvement that the sponsor was uh, more than willing to remove the private school aspect from his legislation. Um, is there any consideration or discussion about whether you'd be willing to include that exclusion in this particular bill uh, to appease those folks who believe the state has no business sticking their nose in the operation of public school, uh, private schools in the state? Senator, to your question, there was a robust uh, uh, conversation about whether to include uh, non-public schools uh, in this legislation. It went back and forth. Uh, ISBE currently dictate, uh, well, public health, IDPH is currently dictated to non-public schools now those requirements and so ultimately what it came down to senator mm -hmm. it was just about kids in general in moments of declarations of emergencies being safe and this all the legislation is designed to do i too i, I was inundated with phone calls uh about this very issue and uh, again, uh, with the stakeholders, we, 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 we had very robust and vigorous debate on whether to include uh, non-public schools for the very issues you brought up. And at the end of the day, we just decided to that those children deserve the opportunity to be safe in times of emergencies. And so we decided to leave that in there. Uh, okay, and, 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 and Senator, I don't, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. I, I think it, it, it fell on all of our educational facilities in the state to follow rules that were put out by our Department of Health to make sure not only our kids but uh, teachers and staff were kept safe as well. My concern with this particular piece of legislation is the fact that this bill 
will allow for the closure of a classroom, gym, library, lunchroom, or any other school space. In other words, the Illinois Department of Health will have the authority to shut down private school facilities in this state. And I think that is the concern that my constituents are expressing. They're more than willing to live by the rules. I think if you look at how well in my district, in my experience, private schools dealt with this pandemic. Most of them stayed in session. Most of them had their kids in school the entire school year. I hesitate to compare that to the record of the public school system. And maybe that was because as many superintendents shared with me, they had zero guidance from either the governor's office or the Department of Health on how they should be dictating their individual school districts. Now you can argue about whether the fact that they deserve to have all local control about how they dealt to deal with their districts. That's a different, that's a different subject. But for the Illinois Department of Health to have closure authority over these private school facilities is a problem uh, that I see uh, in this particular legislation. Uh, I'll close, Madam Chair. With that, may I ask to be recorded as a no vote in this legislation? Thank you. Senator, if you don't sure, mind, can please. I give you a, please, a, a minute re, a rebuttal? Of course. To, to, to your point, and this is what went into our decision-making to include non-public schools, is that IDPH has the authority right now to do the very things that we're asking or that we're uh, purporting in this legislation. They have that right. When it, 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 if you remember when uh, COVID first came on and the governor uh, made his emergency, emergency declaration, it was the IDPH that basically shut down or, or, or basically, for lack of better words, shut down churches and mosques and, and all these religious places and bars. And it was the IDPH and they have the authority inherent in them right now under their auspices to do those very things right now. That was the argument in why we kept non-public um, schools in, 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 in this legislation. That was the sole purpose of it, to say, and to your point, to shut down a library uh, classroom, to shut down the gym. If it was determined that the issue at hand was uh, the, the reason that needed to be shut down to keep people safe, if it were a lunchroom, they, they have the power to do that now in the efforts to keep people safe and to keep students safe and to keep faculty safe. So that's why the legislation was included. If they have that authority now, Senator, with all due respect, then what are we debating? Because we want an enforcement mechanism to make sure that all schools do it just because they have that authority. What's the complaint, what's the complaint process looks like? How does it get to ISBE? I mean, uh, IDPH, how will they know? What does it look like? And so we wanna make sure that if there is in times of emergency uh, 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 a breach, then they should be able to follow a complaint and it should look like this. And then the local health department should be able to investigate and if need be remedy, whatever the situation may require. And that's why, that's all it does. It's, it's looking for, and as I said numerous times, it's about consistency. Sure. Okay. Uh, Senator, thank you, Senator. 
Thank Madam you. Chair, can I I'd just like to uh, make since the role is open, I'd like to vote. Uh, I'd like to vote yes. Thank you. Yes. You know, I, this has been. Tracy needs to vote no. Okay. And leave. <laughs> so everyone is starting to vote. Clerk, please continue the roll. Senator Steverson? No. Senator Resin? No. Senator DeWitt? He voted no. Oh. Leader McConkey? No. Senator Barrickman? Still no. <clears throat> Senator Murphy? I have. Senator, I will vote to get this out of committee, but cannot commit to that on the floor. Senator Munoz. I'll vote I to get it out of committee, Senator. Uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about uh, making some uh, changes on it. Senator Lightford. I vote I with the, with the same effort of Assistant Senator Bell with the even better option. Senator Hunter. Same for me, I support the, uh, I'll vote for the le legislation with the understanding that we can work out some kind of clarity on it. Aye. Senator Holmes? Yes. Senator Hastings? I'm gonna pass till the end, thank you. Senator Harris? Aye. President Harmon? Senator Cunningham? Aye. Madam Chair? Yes. With nine voting yay, six voting nay, zero voting present, your bill shall be so reported. Sorry, Hastings. Uh, Madam Chair, I vote present. Thank you. you. Got it. So let's try that again. With nine voting yay, six voting nay, one voting present. President Harmon, you would cast as a? Yes. Aye. All right, third time's the charm. 10 yay, six nay, one present present, your bill shall be reported.